Hey, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about this. Hey, so here's this. So Dave, everybody, is our new editor. You've known Ruff in the past, and, and you, you probably won't know Dave unless he inserts his voice here. But if he doesn't, just know that Dave is our editor, and he's awesome. And he's so awesome that Keith named me after him in that intro. So there you go. Yeah, that was a total accident. But happy to give a shout out to Dave because we appreciate him. And we like to appreciate people for who they are and what they do. And he is a good dude who does good things for, for us and others. So thanks, Dave. Welcome back to the Morning Comment Podcast. I am your co-host, Keith, with my man, Rodney. Rodney, how you doing today, brother? What's happening here at the Delicious Dish? We're going to be talking about apple fritters. You just pan sear that butter, get those apples and cinnamon going. I'm doing well. Doing really well here at the Morning Comment Podcast, where we, we anchor people in compassionate conversation. We care about compassion a lot. And in this conversation, you're actually going to, at the end, you're going to hear a explanation of compassion. That's really nice. It's, it's about shared suffering. Compassion has a lot to do with suffering, the idea of pain, the idea of discomfort, and not the idea, so differing from empathy where you take on that pain of someone else, that emotional burden of someone else. There could be an element of that in compassion, but it's more about understanding it and being willing to sit with somebody through it and actively work to improve their situation and or your situation so it was uh it's a really good definition coming up uh, we have a conversation with brandon stover about to go down keith tell me about it i mean we're in this interesting time socially with people evaluating jobs their lives their careers coming out of covid what they want to do and Brandon is starting his own online university with a very, very different twist to education and to how people can pursue their lives through learning, their, the lives that they want through learning and not just go the traditional route. And even the vision of it, of where it will go with partnering with businesses and other things, it's just, it's a, he's an awesome dude and his idea is really, really clear. And I really, I'm going to let the show talk about, about the ideas, but that's the cornerstone. Now, why would someone actually listen to it though, Rodney? Brian is super thoughtful. And I think if you are undergoing any kind of a transition or life transition challenge, or you would like to be going through a life transition, like leaving a job or starting a job or learning something new, this listening to him is, is going to be very helpful. Yeah. And so if you do like this conversation, as always, share it, give us a like, leave us a review, and check us out at moreincommonent.com, where you can learn more about the podcast and all our past guests and really what we're trying to do with this consulting business, where we're seeking to help organizations build a culture anchored on, you know, compassionate conversation and psychological safety using our four-step more approach. So check us out. We're, we're open if you're interested in talking more. And with that, we'll go on to the show. 
I think it first, it's been a practice of validating those emotions in myself, realizing them in myself, because then I see where they come from. And they're often illogical things. You know, they're just, they're triggers that happen. And then seeing that, okay, if, if it's happening in me, it probably happens in other people. And say, you know, something that is going on at work with my wife, she's having some sort of issue there. I need to listen to her and validate the emotions that she's having, whether the problem seems irrational or it could quickly be solved, which I may think from my perspective, I'm a problem solver. I'm like, yeah, you just got to do this thing. Well, first, I need to actually acknowledge that she's having these emotions and feelings about it. Today, we are with Brandon Stover. Brandon believes that evolution of the world requires evolution of the individual. His work strives to evolve the individual by liberating and educating others to have the belief, willpower, and skills to change their life and discover a fulfilling purpose to change the lives of others. As a founder, Brandon is launching a personalized online university that combines a student's passions with skill building to solve the world's greatest challenges. Constantly evolving himself through learning, he is obsessed obsessed with how he can deliver this power to others and scale its impact. As a podcaster, Brandon is also the host and producer of the Evolve Podcast, a show about how social innovators and founders can change the world. From climate change to education to mental health, he mines the wisdom of visionaries and experts for the tools and tactics we can use to solve these global issues. He also created the Power 2 Podcast, a 90-day audio course, which create or which teaches podcasting in just 10 minutes a day and has over 75,000 downloads to date. Prior to these ventures, Brandon has a half a decade of experience as a designer, marketer, and educator. His portfolio and body of work can be found at brandonstover.com. Brandon, welcome to the show, my man. Glad to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Looking forward to this. Well, we start every conversation talking about your tip to navigating difficult conversations and yours is is common but the way you answered it is unique and it ties into one of our core more principles to creating psychological safety and in building compassion and that is being open to listen more which you know your answer was listen keep listening and keep listening until you have a deep understanding. So what does that look like for you when, you know, maybe you feel like you've listened enough, but maybe you haven't? Yeah. You know, I think currently it's just my wife and I together. We don't have any children and I work from home most of the time. So the most interaction happens with her. And so when a difficult conversation comes up, uh, I will most of the time be with her. And what I try and do during those conversations is really hear what she's saying, trying to understand it from her side and not just her perspective, but, you know, the emotions that she's feeling with that perspective and where she's coming from with that perspective. So I often try and to listen, hear what she's saying, and then there's probably a voice or some perspective or opinion or judgment or a hundred other things coming up in my mind as she's talking. And I try and calm that or 
see why that's coming up in myself and then continue to listen to her before I, you know, blurt that out and then try and relay back to her, you know, what she had just spoke of both validating the emotion that she's having with that perspective and then, yeah, trying to truly understand what it is that she said, what that perspective is. And if sometimes she corrects me, sometimes I didn't get it right, which is okay. Cause then, you know, I get the chance again to listen. And I think that has been something that has served me well for a long time. I am more often to be the person that listens and let, you know, the group speak and whatnot. And then I will just interject every once in a while after I've thought through my own thoughts before speaking. When you said, try and calm that, those biases, those judgments, those criticisms, those, those, the, that voice in our head that wants to say, no, you're wrong. How is that an active effort for you in those difficult situations? Do you find it to be easy to calm it? Like, do you have any tricks to calming that voice? I find it decently easy. I've, I guess if it's a difficult conversation about something that, you know, I definitely have an opposing view about now it will come more quickly because you know, you're getting information coming in and your brain saying, Hey, this is opposing information of what you currently have in here. Uh, and you've at least my first reaction may be to fight against that, like withhold, cause that's part of your identity, that information that you have, you've made up your worldview that way. And so what I try and do first is recognize uh, the situation that I'm in, you know, the space that I'm in, bring to the present moment, and then acknowledge that that view or emotion is coming up and try and understand that, why it's coming up. Uh, is it because, you know, I truly am opposing the, the view? And then why is that? What kind of evidence do I have for that? Or is it because it's a trigger, an emotional trigger, from, you know, something of trauma from childhood or, you know, something that, you know, really riles me up and then acknowledging that emotion. This isn't something that actually came easy to me until, I don't know, a few, probably three or four years ago. And it was really a way thinking about like creating a deeper connection with my wife that I needed to first acknowledge the emotions that I was having. Uh, because before that I was much more closed off and wasn't even acknowledging those coming up in myself. Like, so one of the things you said was the emotional or like trying to hear what she's saying, but also and then and seeing it from her point of view, but then also trying to understand the emotional aspect of where she's coming from. How do you, how's that going? Or like, how's it going? But like, how do you do it when you do it well, when you do it well? Yeah, I think it first it's been a practice of validating those emotions in myself, realizing them in myself, because then I see where they come from and they're often illogical things. You know, they're just, they're triggers that happen. And then seeing that, okay, if, if it's happening in me, it probably happens in other people and say, you know, something that is going on at work with my wife, she's having some sort of issue there. I need to listen to her and validate the emotions that she's having, whether the problem seems irrational or it could quickly be solved, which I may think from my perspective, I'm a problem solver. I'm like, yeah, you just got to do this thing. Well, first I need to actually acknowledge that she's having these emotions and feelings about it because there's something in her experience that 
I guess, you know, thinking of the theme of your guys' podcast makes us more in common than actually different. You know, maybe in the situation that she's having and the problem she's having at work, I would do this certain thing. But if I was feeling the same emotions that she's feeling at that time, I may be reacting in the exact same way. So if I can acknowledge those, I better understand where she's coming from. There's something you said that this all hasn't come easy. And listening is one of those things that we throw around, oh, this person's a good listener or they're a good listener. And we, because maybe we aren't as good of a listener, we might attribute that person's good listening to a trait or a quality. When some people, yes, they're just naturally good listeners. Benjamin Mathis is a great example, but even he is an individual who's had to work at it, had to find it. What was that journey for you? What what has it been and what triggered you to be more of a, a, a better listener? Yeah, part of it is a trait for me. And I think this is a good you know topic of every trait that we have has both a positive and negative aspect to it. Being a good listener comes from me being an introvert, but that also comes from a lack of confidence growing up of like putting out my ideas or what I'm going to say. And so I would, as a default, end up listening. Now that doesn't actually mean that I was actively listening and hearing what other people were saying, but it was more of a lack of, I'm just not opening my mouth. What I had to work out was, yeah, becoming a better listener and and truly understanding what they're saying. And I think for me, it came in this love of solving problems and also finding out how other people think, how they work, how they are solving problems. It was one of the things that drove me to start my podcast. I just wanted to dig into people's minds. I want to figure out why do they see the world that way? Why are they thinking this way? What what are the the ways that they think that helps them to reach whatever success that they have. When I was working in architecture, nine to five job was not enjoying my life at that time. And I started listening to podcasts during then sort of as a way of like, they have control of my body here, but they don't have control of my mind. I can put whatever I want into my mind at that time. And so I had started listening to Impact Theory by Tom Bilyeu. And he talks a lot about... Who you met. Yes. Yes. Which was a great moment. I loved that. But it was a way for me to like start digging into these people's minds and like, okay, if I can start thinking in a way like this or understand how people think, you know, maybe then I can find a meaning, a purpose in my life, which I was not feeling at that time. So yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question. No, it does. And I think it's it's reflective of the fact that if we choose to be more productive at our listening, we we can become a better listener. We don't we don't have to default to whether or not we're good at it or not and just kind of fall on the sword and say, meh, oh well, maybe, maybe a next time. It, it is very much an intentional skill that we can all get better at. And some of us have a faster starting place, right? Like with every skill, you know, some people are just faster 
You know, you can get faster, but you're never going to beat Usain Bolt, but you can still be faster. You know, so we all, we all have those different skills. Curious for you guys, how podcasting has helped you guys in the department of becoming a better listener. Uh, since since you were staring off into the sun with the reflective and uh, pontificating look i had to i'm defaulting to you first i'll say it hasn't hasn't like because there's podcast mode for me so like when i'm in a podcast like i'm a great listener and then that also depletes some of my energy for listening certain days plus like people assume i'm a great listener because i'm a podcast because i do this and so it's like i get credit for it even if i'm not doing it and so, but I think conversations like this, what I think the biggest thing I've gotten is tips from people for what's worked for them that I can, that can just, they, they serve as point in time reminders because it's really easy to think for me that I, that I figured it out. I'm good. I got this. And then me and my wife have a fight and it's like, oh, wait, crap, I wasn't listening or I didn't really get a perspective. So it's just like a good reset when we get to do it for me. Yeah. And I think for me, similar to you, Brandon, in my journey of, of just listening because of fear of putting myself out there and just hearing and then saying, I'm an introvert, so I'm just going to sit back and listen. And really what that came down to is I just didn't want to say what needed to be said or what, you know, thought, but that has also allowed me to hone my listening skills. The um, podcast has really enabled like early days. Let's backtrack to 150 episodes ago. Rodney used to introduce himself as a, as a monkey brain holding a plate of drugs in a bottle of alcohol because he would bounce all over the place and this is referring we, to my monkey mind. Like let's, let's be right. super clear. That's here. what I said. Your monkey I, I just want to, I want to reiterate. <laughs> and some people just tuned I, in when you said play to drugs and like, wait, what, what's this going to do? With yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we didn't have a time limit on our recording and we were editing down to an hour and my responsibility in our in the podcast was to find the through line and maintain that for our listeners and so that really pushed me early to listen because at first i'd resist rodney and then I had to just accept it because it it added value to the conversation and the space that we were creating. And if I was trying to put my thumb on the scale, it would over it would maybe influence the the ability to have a good, solid, and honest conversation. So the podcast has really forced it's it's created an opportunity for me to to like you said hear what is being said so I can ask a question for clarity, for deeper insight. Now, I 100% agree with Rodney and Brandon. I'm curious if you find this to be similar. Podcasting is an amazing outlet, but it is podcast mode. So it's like we're all on the same page. We all have the same set of expectations. We've established our boundaries. We know what we're in for. But in day-to-day life, those boundaries aren't established. The expectations aren't necessarily clear. And so it all gets muddled, especially at home, more at home than anywhere. 
right? And it becomes a bigger challenge. So I'm actually working hard now to try to to move the skill set and and actively apply it. Like, okay, if I would do this on a podcast, let me do it here, and 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 go from there. But it's really really hard. How about you? Like, have you seen something similar in your podcasting journey? Yeah, I think you know one of the things for me is when I'm in a, a conversation with someone else. I'm often trying to dig for those deeper insights. And that is whether it's in day-to-day life or on the podcast. And I, I that's the one skill set that I've seen that has transferred is that curiosity and still trying to f- figure out like, who is this person on a deeper level? I'm not one to, for small talk. I want to have a deeper conversation with people, which I love podcast for because, you know, we can sit down for an hour and a half. We can go pretty deep. You know, the beginnings usually getting warm. And then by the middle, we're getting into some meaty stuff. And I wish I had more of those conversations in day-to-day life. I think podcasting allows a nice bubble or sanctuary, if you will, that allows that time and space. We know we're here dedicated to have a conversation. We have this time lot set aside. So we're going to have to go past small talk. Um, We're in a day-to-day conversation. It's real easy for people to just here's a little bit of information I need to give you and then check out. So I would like to actually, yeah, take some of the skills maybe of podcasting in that space and be able to more create it um, authentically out in real everyday life. My sister-in-law said to me recently, she's like, one of the things she goes, you know, when I'm having a conversation with you, I feel like you're peering into my soul. Like at first we're having this conversation and you're asking good questions and it seems like you're interested. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, (laughs) where are we going with this? And that's one of the things I like about the podcast is that we can do that without, without making anybody else uncomfortable because they're not necessarily used to deeper setting of, of, of questions and, and answering to those things. Yeah. a quick funny story. My wife and I, sometimes when we're having breakfast in the morning, I'll start asking pretty big questions of like, why does this happen? Or why is this this way? And I'll start going into something pretty deep. And she's like, you know, it's pretty early in the morning to to be thinking about all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're right. I'll reel it in for this moment. That's funny. Yeah. My, that is a, that's a learning I had with my wife. She's not a morning her brain does not kick in in the morning, so I, I can't go heavy and hard until afternoon. I got I got to hold it. Yeah, my wife comes at me at, in the evening, and that's when I'm turned off. And it's like I I just not right now. No, I don't I don't I don't want to talk about that. And then we end up talking about it. So. One of the things that you're interested in right now, so what, thank you for indulging the conversation portion of the conversation, but uh, that was a really good discussion and I appreciate it. One of the things you're most interested in is is higher education and on your website, which I love your your uh, domain, evolvethe.world, you share that you grew up in a trailer park with your mom, you're poor, and ultimately striving for the golden ticket of go to, going to college. Now you quote, golden ticket, right? So I immediately have to ask, especially with your interest in higher education and your platform that you're building around giving people this opportunity to learn about their 
passions and the things that they're interested in and turn that. Why do you quote the golden ticket? Sure. Growing up poor and being pushed towards having a better life than we currently had or that my mom or dad had uh, growing up, getting a college education was always framed as the golden ticket, the quote unquote. This is the thing that will set you up for success in life. This will take you far, fulfill all your wildest dreams. And growing up, that that mentality really did push me. Not having like a father figure around on the day-to-day, having many of my family members ending up in uh, jail or prison or you know, dying early on when I was young and then growing up, yeah, with a single mom, it was like all of these labels of this person is supposed to fail. And my mom had pushed me that actually you're, you're going to succeed. And so I pushed as hard as I could going all the way through my school career to get to college, was able to successfully do that, got a bachelor's, got a master's graduated, had fulfilled, you know, what my mom had wanted for me and then went to go get my first job in the career that I had chosen, um, which was architecture. I worked in architecture for about three years and found myself very miserable, very depressed, realizing that the work that I was doing was not actually having the impact on the world that I wanted to make. I looked at architecture at the time because we spend so much time within buildings, within spaces, they're always a part of your life. And so I was trying to figure out like, well, how could I maybe design that world to better improve people's lives? When I got actually working, that wasn't what I was doing at all. I was drawing lines on a computer for buildings that, you know, where you strip malls and things like that. I was like, okay, I'm not actually having the impact that I want to make. And there was a time my, I was, working in a firm and I sat next to three of the head partners of the firm and I could hear them picking up the phone day after day and the problems that they were having. And I could see the emotions and the faces that they were having. And I had a moment of like looking at myself and looking at them and I was like, okay, in 20, 30 years, you're going to be sitting in that seat. Is that exactly where you want to sit? And that answer was no. And so I had basically left architecture to find something for myself that would fulfill that original drive that I had to make, you know, the world a better place and was looking over my life and seeing that although education had brought me to this golden ticket era, it was still something that fundamentally transformed me and made my life better. And I wanted to be able to give that to other people, but I knew that It couldn't just be what society was going to tell you you should go learn, what your parents tell you you should go learn, you know, what, you know, the best jobs are out there. It has to be something that you are truly passionate about. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? No, that's so, and it's funny because, you know, we talk a lot about assumptions. And when I read that, I'm thinking, well, I accrued a bunch of student debt. I didn't make a bunch of money coming out of college. So this golden ticket really wasn't a golden ticket in any way. But 
that's not what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is the golden ticket. It may be fruitful financially, but it may be depleting personally or emotionally and thus isn't really it's it's more like a a rusty ticket right like it gets me into the theater but i don't want to watch this movie and here i am stuck so but how did you so how did you become so aligned with your the impact you want to make because i because i think that sounds like a thing that allowed you to step away and and to even ask yourself a question like, do I want to sit in that seat in 20 or 30 years? Because I look at myself and when I started in, in corporate world, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want that. I wanted nothing to do with it, but it's what I was told I should want and I bought it. So it, as far as I knew, it was mine. Asking questions like that have come much later. So that, yeah, so how, how, do you, how did you become so aligned to your impact? or the impact you, you wish to have. Part of it, somebody that spends, enjoys spending time alone, thinking to myself, you know, grew up as an only child. And so I spent a lot of time alone. And so there has always been that open door conversation to myself. The other thing that happened growing up, I had s- seen my dad try and take his life when I was younger, reaching a you know, very depressive point. Growing up, my mom as a single mom, it was also very much of a struggle, seeing her many times become very depressive. And so when I reached that stage, when I was working, I mean, there was a few times like driving home from the office and I was crying in the car. I was like, this, this is terrible. I knew that if I didn't find something now that when I'm driving home that I'm not elated about doing, and I'm not talking about you know, happiness of, you know, always being happy or chasing happiness, but more of a a fulfillment. If I'm not feeling that fulfillment, there's a, there's a chance that I could end up in the the same depression uh, spot that, you know, my parents were when I was younger and I didn't want that. Uh, I started sort of down a path of looking into entrepreneurship and like self-development one of the first books I read was Tim Ferriss's four hour work week because I was working at a job that I hated. And I was like, yeah, four hours a week sounds great. I was reading that and it just kind of started like spiraling into a bunch of other books. And I started like Googling lists of, you know, what's the best entrepreneurship or self-development books. And you get the regular list of like Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people or how to win friends and influence people. I um, just started reading through those, but eventually bringing up the book that I had mentioned before, a Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, I had read that. And one of the things that stood out to me in that book was when they're in the concentration camp and he's looking at his you know, fellow prisoners that are there with him, he can see the hope leave their eyes, the light leave their eyes. And he can guess you know, within the next two to three days that they're done. They, they have checked out and that they die there in the prison camp because they lost hope, they lost meaning. And I reflected at that in my own life. I was like, okay, if I keep down this path and I keep losing meaning and I just chug through this, is that what happens to me? Do I just check out? And so I, I had to start turning that around. I, I basically went trying to figure out, yeah, what is meaningful to me? What would give me purpose in life? What 
would help me wake up every morning enjoying to do this. One of the things my mom used to say when we were younger, she would get so burnt out by going to work. She worked 40, 50 hours a week. And she would jokingly, but also with like a tear in her eye, basically say, will you go for work uh, to work for me tomorrow? <laughs> no, I can't do that for you. And it was a joke, but it was also like painful at the time because it was like, you are providing for me. You know, you're going to work every day to provide for me so that I can get this golden ticket, but you hate doing it or it's burning you out. It's terrible. So I knew I didn't want that in my life. So yeah, I, I had to go, you know, on that journey for myself. All right, we're going to take a quick pause here. And before we release the next episode, it's going to be just a few days, maybe, maybe more than a few days. This conversation reminds me a lot of conversation we have with Pete Mulroy, uh, episode 48. If you're looking for something to do, go listen to that conversation. Somebody who intentionally moved or made different choices in his life and, and aligned with his mission and with his purpose, instead of just doing the thing that makes money. And that's it. Have a great day.